Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church here in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. I would like to share a testimony that Smith Wigglesworth tells about someone he knew. This story has encouraged me about my prayer life. Listen, because this is possible for God to use all of us this way. I want to encourage you to let the Spirit of God lead you in prayer. I have had similar experiences, and it is powerful to let God use you in this way. Smith began many times as we speak unto God in an unknown tongue, we are in, in intercession. And as we pray thus in the spirit, we pray according to the will of God. That's Romans 8. And there is such a thing as the spirit making intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. On this line, he went on to tell about Willie Burton, who was laboring in the gospel for God as a missionary in the Belgian Congo. That's located in Central Africa, and it's now called the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Brother Burton was a mighty man of God and was giving his life for the heathen in Africa. It was during this work that he took fever and looked as if he were dying. He laid on a bed barely alive, and those that worked for him left him for dead. They covered him, they left the room, and they went outside to talk. They said, he's preached his last. What do we do? All their hope was gone. There they stood with broken hearts, wondering what was going to take place with his death, what was going to happen to the mission, and what was going to happen to them. Now listen to what I'm saying. He was dying of a fever in Africa. But while they were talking in a moment, Without any signal, Brother Burton sat up, walked out of the room that he was dying in, and stood right in the middle of them, perfectly healed. What happened to him? Brother Burton wasn't even entirely sure what took place, but the explanation he gave was this, that he was in a coma, and then he realized he was awake and came to himself. And he realized that there was a warmth going right through his body. And when it was all over, he knew that there wasn't one thing wrong with him and that he was perfectly healed. But how did it come into being? Brother Burton didn't know. It was a mystery. Until he went to London sometime later. He was in a meeting and he was telling the people how he was left for dead. And then by the power of God was raised up. After the meeting, a lady came up and asked him for a private conversation with him and arranged a time to meet. When they met, she asked him, Do you keep a diary? He answered, Yes. She told him, It happened on a certain day that I went to pray. And as soon as I knelt down and began, I had you, Brother Burton, on my mind. The Spirit of the Lord then took a hold of me and began praying through me in an unknown tongue. A vision came before me while I was praying, in which I saw you laid out helpless on the bed. And I cried out in that unknown tongue until I saw you rise up 
and go out of that room. She then told Brother Burton that she had kept a note of that day and the time that she had prayed that prayer. She then asked Brother Burton to turn to that day in his diary. When he opened up his diary, that that was the exactly the day and time that he was raised up. You and I have no idea the possibilities there are as we yield to the Spirit of God in prayer. We need to be filled with the Spirit all the time so God is able to work this kind of work through us. I'd like to begin the program with the song Looking for a City, ministered here by Terry and the Browns. Here among the shadows, living in a lonely land, with strangers, we're a band of pilgrims on the move, with dangers, burdened down with sorrows, and we're shunned on every hand, but we are looking for a city built above, oh yes, we're looking welcoming three new radio stations to my program. WKGM, Smithfield, Virginia. WKDI, Denton, Maryland. WKNV, Blacksburg, Virginia. That makes 16 stations covering 32 states. What an honor of God to be preaching the gospel to America and the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you and praise you. 
I ask you for grace, for grace on me and grace on this message, that you open our eyes that we can see, that you open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever considered what that page meant that was between the last verse of Malachi and the first verse of Matthew? My Bible calls it the beginning of the New Testament. Have you ever considered that page? Have you ever considered the word testament? Testament, New Testament. What does that mean and what does it entail? If you look up the word New Testament in Strong's Dictionary, it says that testament is a disposition, an arrangement, which one wishes to be valid, and the last disposition which one makes of his earthly possessions after his death. We call it a last will and testament. Have you ever considered that what we call the New Testament may actually be a last will and testament. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's take a look in Hebrews 9, verse 17. For a testament, a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is no strength at all while the testator liveth. What is the testament here? The testament here is a will, a last will and testament. And it is a force after men are dead. That paper, that document that is written by someone to disperse their earthly possessions does not come into force until after they are dead. And it goes on. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Who's the testator? That's the one that wrote it. So that will, that last will and testament has no strength, no authority until the person that wrote it is dead. Let's go to Galatians 3.15. Here, it is also talking about a last will and testament. It begins, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, covenant or testament. Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereunto. When a person writes a will, and when that person dies, that will comes into authority. And it says, if yet it be confirmed, no man disannulleth. No man can cancel what that person has written, nor can they add to what is written. And that speaks here in Galatians 3. Now, what has that got to do with us? You know, I remember as a little girl, when I was about seven, my grandmother died. And I remember the day after her funeral, my mother and my aunts and myself went up to my grandparents' bedroom and we sat on their bed. My aunt went over and opened up a small locked drawer on her dresser, my grandmother's dresser, and pulled out an envelope. And in that envelope was a handwritten letter, a will, that listed all my grandmother's children and grandchildren and what they were to receive of her personal possessions. My name was in that letter and I was to receive a necklace, a beautiful necklace. It had a small diamond and a small pearl. It was on a gold scroll with a delicate gold chain. It was beautiful. 
I loved it. It reminded me of my grandmother. That was my inheritance from my grandmother. I could not receive that necklace until she had died. Now, what does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with the New Testament? Let's go back to Hebrews 9 and let's look in verse 15. It says, and for this cause, he is the mediator. Who? Jesus. Jesus is the mediator of the New Testament. The will, the new will, the new covenant between the Father and man. It says, Jesus is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, by means of death, we have already established that a will, a last will and testament, cannot come into being until the person that wrote it dies. So in this case, the New Testament, there had to be a death. You know, there was a death in the First Testament. In the First, the Old Covenant. What was the death? In verse 18, neither the First Testament was dedicated without blood. It was the blood of animals that settled that First Testament, that First Covenant. But now we have to have a greater death. Because it's a greater testament that by means of death, who died? Somebody had to die for this testament to come into being, for this will to come into being, for this will to be established. Somebody had to die. Who died? Jesus died. That by means of death, the death of Jesus. And what did that death bring to us? What did the death of Jesus bring to you and I? It goes on and states it here. He is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, the redemption of the transgressions, redemption, a redemption is a release after a ransom's paid. It's a deliverance. So that death of Jesus brought us deliverance from the transgressions that were under the first testament what were those transgressions our sins our sins somebody had to die for our sins to be redeemed for them to be taken away from us someone had to die that death was jesus and when he died those sins were taken away from us. We were delivered from them. We were forgiven them. They were taken totally away from us to where we are justified, just as if we have never sinned. Do you know that is part of our inheritance? That is part of the inheritance that we got through the testament, the will of Jesus. We have an inheritance. And there's even more to the inheritance. Let's go on. Verse 15. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Eternal inheritance. We have an inheritance from the death of Jesus that is eternal. And what does that inheritance entail? We just established. It includes the forgiveness, the justification from all our sin. What else does it entail? Well, let's go to Romans 8, starting in verse 15. 
For you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Where did we get that adoption? Through the death of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And look, 17, and if children, then heirs, 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 heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Our inheritance, we become joint heirs with Jesus. Where did we get that joint heirship? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What else do we get? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty. Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Look, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But we inherit the kingdom of God. Where do we inherit that kingdom? Through the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And what is the kingdom of God? We inherit. We have an inheritance. It is that kingdom of God. And what is that inheritance? 1 Corinthians 4.20 states, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. We have an inheritance. It is eternal. And it is power. We are joint heirs with Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection, through that last will and testament. And we got power. We got an internal inheritance. We got everything we need. We got forgiveness of sins. We got healing. We got prosperity. We got delivered from every hindering influence. And how do we get it? We claim it. And how do we claim it? How do we claim our inheritance? We believe it. We trust that it is ours. You know, I have the perfect testimony that goes with these words. Years ago, while in the sign business, I was talking to someone and they were asking me about the financial trouble I was in. And I told them, you know what? I have an inheritance coming. And when that inheritance comes... I'll be able to pay all my bills and I'll get out of debt. And they thought that was wonderful that I had an inheritance coming. What they didn't know was that I was talking about Jesus. After that, years later, I found out that I was in serious financial trouble and I didn't even know it. There were loans and liens against me, my name, that I had no idea were there. Charges that would have taken me years and years to pay off. But God knew they were there. You know, there were some very scary times. But there were some real miracles that I will share in the future. The power of God working through the gospel on my behalf. Moving for me. Bringing me the money I needed. Or making a way for situations to happen where the liens and the loans were taken away from me. My inheritance came through. And you know, today, I don't owe anyone. And no one stepped in to pay it off for me. God did it all by the power in the gospel. And you know how it came about? God sent an apostle and prophet to me. And he prayed for me, with me, delivered me, 
and directed me to overcome every one of those situations. Why? Because I had an inheritance that came through the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The first thing we inherit from that New Testament, that new covenant, that will, that Jesus made possible through his death and his burial and his resurrection is the authority to become a child of God. It is a simple act, but it lasts for eternity. It's to be born again. It's to have the spirit of Jesus inside us. Now, how do we become born again? Let's turn to Romans 10, 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And what did Paul preach? If you look a little further up, Paul preached the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You'll be born again. And what does that bring you? When you adhere to that, it will bring you eternal life, life in heaven. But that death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, believing in it, adhering to it, trusting in it, will not only bring you the new birth, but it will bring you healing. It will bring you prosperity. It will bring you deliverance from everything that hinders you. But you must believe it. You must trust in it. You must adhere to it. You must stick to it like glue. I'd like to finish the program with a song written by David Hickman and ministered here by the My Girls, We Shall Be Satisfied. It is a song based on Psalm 65, 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causes to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house. That is part of our inheritance, that we shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Let this song minister to you while the My Girls sing it.
Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the musicians from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at KathyDavidsonWOL.com. That's W-O-L for Water of Life. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas, 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kathydavidsonwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.